If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The following podcast contains adult content, explicit language, and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. And it contains murder. Lots and lots of murder. You stinking bastard. People tell me, hey, you're going to go die and go to hell. I don't know what's wrong one in the chest, one in the head. Fired by Detective Sergeant Roger Rogerson. I was uh, branching out. That's when the cannibalism started, eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. Oh, I'll wear a male car with his hands to a tail with this and just pull it out of his backside. Carl Williams is a wobbly bottom little cher- cherub face, cherub face little boy who would do it, whose life would be. I'd harm someone each time I kill someone, there'd be an enormous amount of uh, uh, especially at first, an uh, enormous amount of, of uh, horror, guilt, remorse afterwards. But then that impulse to do it again would come back even stronger. Kids can have some strange ideas about what they want to be when they grow up, and some struggle to decide on a profession. But for Jonathan Preston Haynes, it was a no-brainer. He wanted to be a neo-Nazi murderer. Inspired by reading Hitler's Mein Kampf and feeling that he himself had the soul of an artist, white supremacist Haynes launched a campaign of murderous attacks against those he believed were the purveyors of fake Aryan beauty resulting in the deaths of a hairdresser and a plastic surgeon. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. And this is Bloody Murder, Season 5, 2021. Woo! Oh my God, what are they still doing around? We're a comedy true crime podcast focusing on some of the lesser known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. As a comedy true crime podcast, we sometimes use humour to lighten up horrifying stories, but never at the expense of the victims or their loved ones. Yeah, because murder ain't funny. No, it really isn't. Like, not ever. But what happens around it sometimes can be just so ridiculous you can't help but laugh. If you think comedy has no business being associated with tragedy, then bloody murder may not be the podcast for you. Yeah, look, we don't just say that. We actually mean it. You've been told. (laughs) You've been told. So if you don't like that and then you listen to it, well, we knew that would happen anyway. And we said so. You were warned. (laughs) 
Now, before we commence our sordid tales, we'd like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our wonderful and generous patrons. We've had quite a few new ones join our fancy Patreon program, which we will thank individually after our story. If you'd like to become a patron, go to our website for details. That's bloodymurderpodcast.com. As a patron, you have access to dozens of other episodes, including our wet-nosed and waggy-tailed first season, Bork. Woof! And ad-free versions of all our regular episodes. As a patron, you'll also have access to exclusive patron-only episodes where we pretty much do what we do in the regular episodes, but without having to deal with people who don't understand what a comedy true crime podcast is, trying to tear us a new arsehole with terrible grammar. <laughs> levels above $5 receive stickers and handmade Barney badges, and levels $10 and above get a selection of bloody legendary merchandise. All right, Tara. Let's get murdery. According to the New York Times, Jonathan Preston Haynes and his three siblings were raised in a forward-thinking progressive household in New York and California in the 1960s and 70s. His banker father Edward told them that Haynes certainly didn't learn to be a racist, hate-filled person at home. The family lived a comfortable existence and held education in high regard. Haynes's parents, Edward and Custis, considered themselves not to be prejudiced towards anyone based on race or religion and were passionate supporters of the civil rights movement. Edward told the New York Times that if his son was nursing a hate-filled hard-on for racist ideals, nobody in the family knew about it. He went on to say that these ideals would have been a very unpopular in the Haynes household. Sometimes the apple falls a long way from the tree, and it's certainly true in this case. A really windy day, maybe? Yeah, maybe if it fell off the tree and rolled down a hill, perhaps it could get a long way away. In a 2013 phone interview with the New York Times from his new home at the Cook County Jail in Illinois, dark-haired, brown-eyed Jonathan Haynes said his love of all things white and goose-stepping began when he first caught sight of Aryans in a history book at the age of 12. Oh, look at that. That's pretty cool. Haynes said, I thought they were very good-looking people, and for some reason I felt more sympathy for them. I know I was supposed to hate, but I felt like I'd been born on the wrong side of the battle lines. I never talked to my parents about it. I kind of knew instinctively it was a deep, dark secret. In news that should surprise nobody, Haynes was not a popular child. It seems his peers weren't very interested in playing Let's Deny the Holocaust with him during their lunch break. Nobody was up for a three-legged master race at recess? Just the communist kids, but he didn't want to play with them. Instead, Haynes spent more time reading than socialising. Teenage rebellion takes all kinds of forms, but thankfully not usually this one. While the other kids were rebelling against their parents by smoking cigarettes, ditching class or poring over nudie magazines, Haynes was sneakily reading Mein Kampf under the blankets with a torch after bedtime. Ah, there's nothing like a little Hitler prose to really get growing minds inspired. Oh, it's time for bed, little Johnny. But Dad, I'm not sleepy. Come on now, son, you need your rest. But why? It's Malcolm X Day tomorrow and we've got a whole day of remembrance and family fun planned. Ugh. Malcolm X wasn't that groovy, Dad. He was very groovy indeed. Why would you say that, son? Just cause. Come on now, little Johnny. I know your mother and I have told you many times how important factual evidence is when trying to make a point. True facts are fake if I say so, Dad. No, they aren't, son. Don't be a silly billy. Now go to sleep. 
Good night, Dad. Religion is ridiculed, ethics and morality represented as outmoded, until the last props of a nation in its struggle for existence in this world have fallen. Oh, Adolf, you nailed it again! It's like you know my deepest thoughts and feelings before even I do! Hayne's father, Edward, said that his son's problems began soon after reading Mein Kampf in high school. He became more aggressive and withdrawn from his family, preferring to spend time alone appreciating all things Aryan. After graduating from high school in 1977, to the dismay of his parents, Haynes opted not to go straight to college. He roamed around working a number of dead-end jobs and finding excuses not to see his folks. By this time, they were quite concerned about him and his growing collection of Eva Braun cardigan porn. (laughs) So much so, Tara, that they encouraged him to see a therapist. Edward Haynes told the New York Times he was resolutely opposed to any form of professional help. After several years of listlessness, Haynes seemingly got his shit together. He got a job as a lab technician and enrolled in a Californian university to study chemistry. We were very proud of him, Edward Haynes told the New York Times. We were always concerned about his lack of friends, but there was absolutely no indication of radical political views. Just because his family didn't see them, unfortunately doesn't mean they weren't there, festering beneath the surface, ready to explode. What really ground Haynes' gears were his racist fears that blonde Nordic Aryan beauty was endangered. Which is ironic, because he didn't even have it himself. Well, brown hair and brown eyes, right? Yeah. He was also super pissed that Americans who had defeated the Nazis in the Second World War were now trying to look like the Nazi ideal by dyeing their hair blonde, wearing blue contact lenses and getting plastic surgery. How dare they? (laughs) Haynes decided that that level of hypocrisy deserved to be punishable by death. And you'll never guess who he felt was authorised to carry out these executions. David Duke's Daisy Dukes? No. Richard Spencer's Pez Dispensers? <laughs> no. <laughs> Pauline Hanson's steel-capped ass buns? Now you're just being ridiculous, Tara. Now I am. He meant himself, of course. <gasps> uh. Having his SWAT sticker print man panties in a bunch because some people dyed their hair blonde, Haynes decided he could fix the world by murdering a hairdresser. Makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, the logic is uh, easy to follow and quite profound. According to the New York Times, Frank Ringy was a San Francisco hairdresser who ran a busy salon with his partner Tom Truly. He was also a bit of a celebrity due to the beauty makeovers he gave on a local morning TV show called People Are Talking. On May 27, 1987, Haynes decided it was time to put his shit-for-brain, stupid-and-evil murder plan into action. He made an appointment to get his hair dyed at Frank Ringy's salon. The custard-bellied coward made the appointment under the name John Rockman. It was just a regular day at the salon for Frank Ringy and Tom Truly. They had no reason to be afraid or assume that they would soon be the victim of a wrong-headed psychopath. When Haynes arrived at the salon, he waited for around half an hour before he was shown to a room where he had a brief consultation with Frank. Soon after, from elsewhere in the salon, Frank's partner Tom recalled, Suddenly I heard Frank say, Oh no! And then I heard three pops. When Tom ran to his partner's aid in the consulting room, Haynes, who was sitting in a client chair, spun around and shot him in the stomach. Then he scampered off feeling really proud of himself as Frank lay dead on the floor with three bullets in his head. 
After the murder, Haynes slipped back into his life in San Francisco, like a python slips into a toilet. He continued working for a number of laboratories in Silicon Valley. Considering himself a talented artist, Haynes also spent a lot of his bountiful alone time making fascist art. Now, we couldn't find details about what kind of art he did, so we're going to assume it was romantic fanfiction sketches of Hitler, war eagle needlepoints and paper mache sculptures of Eva Braun's majestic cardigans. <laughs> In 1990, Haynes finally graduated from San Francisco State University with a bachelor's degree in chemistry. In 1991, he moved to Washington, telling his family he wanted a government job. In an interview with the New York Times, he said that what he really wanted was access to the Library of Congress. He explained, I wanted to study up on subjects that interested me, like the Zionists and Israel. In late 1991, Haynes got himself a job with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms as a chemist and moved into an apartment in Rockville. His job was to test the alcohol content of products like mouthwash and vanilla extract. He drank them. I don't know, man, like with Bunsen burners and shit. Haynes saw his parents twice the next year, once when they visited him in Maryland and again when he attended a family funeral in February. Both times he seemed happy and level-headed. His father told the New York Times, He was very upbeat about his job. He seemed more happy and better adjusted than he'd been since he was a little boy. Oh, so he did drink them. Yeah, everything seemed to be coming up Hainsey. Not only did he have a good job and a nice apartment, but he'd also murdered an innocent hairdresser. However, there was still one area of his life he needed to work on. Haynes wanted a wife. A nice Aryan wife with child-bearing hips, a cardigan collection to rival Eva Braun's, and a ridiculous disdain for hairdressers. Where does one white supremacist meet such a lovely lady, I hear you ask? Walmart? No. Why, through a white supremacist newsletter, of course. Hey, baby. On page 15 of the summer 1992 issue of War, in the singles section, Haynes placed his romantical honey trap. I have a dream that 1,000 years from now there will still be some good-looking people on the planet. I seek out a beautiful wife for the propagation of our kind. My dream girl is Erin, but leans more towards a fertility goddess than the anorexic. I am bookie, brainy and willing to put my life on the line. Haynes likes big butts and he cannot lie And he's partial to homicide When white girl writes in with a big cardigan And she owns an Alsatian, he gets sprung now, because if it ain't broke, why fix it? Haynes ran the same ad in a newspaper for white supremacist ladies called White Sisters. Both newsletters were published by the White Aryan Resistance, which was run by a former Ku Klux Klan leader, so you know he knew a thing or two about what goes on beneath the sheets. <laughs> we'll be back with the conclusion of neo-Nazi murderer Jonathan Haynes after this. Hey, Barney, what time is it? It's true crime nerd time. True Crime Nerd Time is an opportunity for you, our listeners, to give us your recommendations for anything true or fiction crime related. It can be a book, movie, TV series, graphic novel, song, or just about anything that has scratched your crime-obsessed itch. Are you itchy, Tara? As a matter of fact, I am. You can record your voice, just do it on your phone, we'll play it, or write it, and we'll read it out. 
And we have one here from the lovely Libby Spicer, and she wrote to us about a YouTube show called That Chapter. And she writes, Dear Tara and Barney, it has been one cunt of a year. Uh-huh. Mm, true that, Libby. Thank you both so much for making it that little bit more bearable. Even just having my coffee out of a bloody murder mug makes my day just that little bit better. Aww. Aww. Now for my true crime nerd time contribution. Whilst I listen to just about any podcast on the subject of murder or cultish behaviour, I am wary when watching YouTube videos. For some odd reason, I always stumble across one that is just a bit tasteless and hasn't done much research. So I generally like to wait for a recommendation. Whilst browsing Reddit, didn't do much else this year. Yeah, I hear you. I found a recommendation for a YouTuber called Mike and his channel called That Chapter. That Chapter. That Chapter. It's been a few weeks and I've watched little else whilst playing Animal Crossing obsessively. The videos are 30 minutes at most, which is just enough time to get the basics of the case and other interesting facts. Mike's wonderful Irish accent and quick wit is a joy to listen to, and he often makes interesting and poignant observations. It does have a bit of humour in the mix, aimed at the perpetrators and not the victims slash survivors. But if you think humour and murder don't go together, then how on earth did you make it this far into this podcast? Oh, trust me, it happens. Because you know what? Bloody murder is like a hate fuck for your ears. (laughs) It is. He has a new video up every week, and if you are a binger like me, there are lots of videos to watch. You'll soon be saying, hey there and welcome. And before you know it, you'll be watching another old video. Please pray to whatever entity you believe in that this pandemic will be over soon. I am a South African, South African, and I took away our booze. Again! What? I was suffering from a monster hangover after my husband and I decided that one bottle of wine was not the answer. Three apparently isn't an answer either. (laughs) When it was announced... Oh, no! It took effect at midnight, but there aren't any bottle stores open after 8pm when the announcement was made. Anyway, one last thing. A friend of mine started listening to your show, and he has a very Afrikaans name that I would love to hear you both try and pronounce. Gerhard. Tip, roll the G. Gerhard. 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 No, that wasn't good. (laughs) Gerhard. Gerhard. How'd we do? How'd we do, Libby? (laughs) Anyway, she signs off by saying, Happy New Year, stay safe and stay away. Love, Libby. Awesome. Thanks, Libby. That YouTube show is called That Chapter, the details of which will be in the show notes. Now, Tara, you probably know this. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to submit to True Crime Nerd Time, visit our website, bloodymurderpodcast.com, for instructions on how to contribute. I like that you said I probably know this. So, like, having heard it, so often, I might still not quite understand. Is that way? What you, well, <laughs> are you, you going to so, mansplain how to submit to True Crime Nerd Time to me? Yeah. Well, sometimes I see you drift off, and you're thinking about <laughs> you're thinking about puppies, and you just your eyes glaze over when I talk. That's fine. Yeah. No, that's if I smile, and you think it's because you said something funny. It's not. It's because I was thinking about puppies. Ah, uh, bork. Woof. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. New year, new everything, right? Not so much. Yeah, so far all 2021 has done is tell 2020, hold my beer. I'm wondering if last year even ended or if today is actually December 41st. Is everything going on in the world at the moment having a negative impact on your mental health? Are these unprecedented circumstances stopping you from achieving your goals? Or perhaps all of this is just making other stuff you have to deal with even harder. Do you want to make changes in your life but you're not sure where to even start? We're both big believers in therapy and there's no better time than now to take care of your mental health. BetterHelp is there for you no matter where you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's professional counselling that produces real results, not self-help. And you can communicate with your counsellor at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. All without having to leave the house. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. And it's a service you can access worldwide. You could be communicating with licensed professional counsellors who have a broad range of expertise and specialise in areas such as anxiety, trauma, sleeping problems and relationships. And of course, anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, professional and very affordable. If you want to start living a happier life today, connect with BetterHelp. And as a Bloody Murder listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counsellors in all states of the USA. Get matched with a counsellor that suits you by simply filling out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs. And if you don't believe us, feel free to check out all of the positive testimonials on their website. So visit betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. That's betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. Now for the conclusion of neo-Nazi murderer Jonathan Haynes. According to the Baltimore Sun, Haynes was forced to resign from his job as a chemist for the ATF after a routine check of his resume discovered that some of the people he had listed as his references had no idea who the fuck he even was. The Bureau's investigators also interviewed people who said Haynes had been active in white supremacist groups while attending San Francisco State University in the late 1980s. A couple of months later, 34-year-old Haynes gave up his apartment packed up his stuff and went on a road trip to Chicago in his grey 25-year-old shabby Volkswagen Beetle. He would drive a German-made car. Well, if it's good enough for Ted Bundy. It seems murdering a random innocent hairdresser had not in fact solved all of his ludicrous racist problems and so he decided that he needed to kill more people. Because of his hatred of blue contact lenses, the first person on Haynes' hit list was the president of a company that made contact lenses. So he was able to find out his home address uh, because it was listed in the phone book. Haynes subled a room in Evanston near the campus of Northwestern University and continued his commitment to having no friends. Scott, no mates. That's, that's his name. His neighbour, OJ Mabwa, told the New York Times... I can recall seeing him on the front porch just sitting there when I came home at night. He was usually by himself. Haynes stalked the president of the contact lens manufacturer and staked out his house. 
This proved to be an arduous task as he kept irregular hours and seemed to have a sixth sense about impending danger. Haynes told the New York Times he got very close to killing him at one point. He said, One time I started riding towards him on my bike with my gun in a paper sack. He saw me coming and he ducked back inside. His instincts were good for him, but bad for me. More pissed off than the kind-hearted bird who realised he'd been used as the basis for the Nazi eagle symbol, Haynes went to a nearby library and rage-searched the phone book for plastic surgeons to kill. Here he found an ad for Dr Martin Sullivan. Haynes said he chose Dr Sullivan as his target because he had the biggest ad in the phone book. 68-year-old Dr Martin Sullivan could have retired years ago, but he loved his work too much to give it up. According to the New York Times, Dr Sullivan's colleagues said he had good hands and was still steady with the knife. He loved spending time with his family and adored vintage cars. Dr Sullivan was on the staff of six hospitals in the Chicago area and was an assistant professor at Northwestern University School of Medicine. Early each morning, he made his rounds at several hospitals before getting to his operating room by 7.30am. After his surgeries were done for the day, Dr Sullivan would drive to one of his two offices and see patients until late in the afternoon. Dr Sullivan ran his centre for plastic surgery in an office building in the well-to-do suburb of Wilmot, Chicago. On August 6, 1992, Haynes went to the doctor's office for a 2.45pm appointment under the name of John Rothman. The staff at the clinic had no reason to think this day would be different to any other day. After waiting around 15 minutes, Haynes was shown into an examination room and told to take a seat. Just pop your clothes on the stool there and we'll get started. He did not get nude. Mm -mm. When Dr Sullivan came into the room, Haynes said nothing. He just pulled out his 38 caliber pistol and shot Dr Sullivan at point-blank range. The doctor staggered to the door before falling onto the floor outside the examination room. Staff frantically attempted to resuscitate Dr Sullivan as Haynes slithered to his Bundy-mobile and made his getaway. According to the Chicago Tribune, Haynes went home to his boarding house room in Evanston and made an entry in his journal about the murder. He wrote, Somewhat messy, had a clean shot at his head, but missed. <sighs> you missed, you fucking idiot. Shooting someone in broad daylight with dozens of witnesses may have worked for him last time, but Haynes' luck had finally run out. Police arrested him a couple of days later and Haynes proudly confessed to Dr Sullivan's murder. Yep, I did it. It was me. And I have the soul of an artist um, and I'm pretty fucking proud of my work. <laughs> arsehole of an artist, more like no, it. he's got the soul of an arsehole, more like it. <laughs> Glad he finally had an audience who would appreciate his handiwork, Haynes also confessed to the 1987 murder of hairdresser Frank Ringy and the shooting of partner Tom Truly. Police had never connected Haynes to those vicious attacks. According to the New York Times, when Inspector Brosh asked Haynes why he had committed the murders, he said he didn't like phony Aryan beauty and felt that the Aryan race was going the way of the redwood forest. They made furniture and decking out of them? That sounds unlikely. He also said, oh, I wasn't all that much concerned with getting caught. I figured that was a hazard I was willing to take. Even with such ridiculous motives for the murders, you'd think an educated person like Haynes would have at least done some research into his victims. But no, just like facts, research wasn't important to Haynes. 
According to the New York Times, Dr. Sullivan's speciality was not cosmetic surgery. In fact, it only accounted for around 15% of his practice. His speciality was reconstructive surgery, and he spent most of his time operating on the damaged faces of accident victims and giving breast implants to women whose breast cancer meant that they'd had to have theirs removed. He also worked one day a week in a cleft lip and palate program he was one of the founders of at Shriners Hospital for Crippled Children. When Haynes was given this information about Dr. Sullivan, he claimed it didn't make any difference, saying... That's outside the area of my expertise. The fact that he was listed as a plastic surgeon is enough for me. I'm prepared to get real cold about it. Dr. Sullivan was not only a dedicated surgeon and hard worker, but he was also a bit of a trickster who was popular with his colleagues and always wore brightly coloured bow ties. When Haynes was told that his victim had eight children and 21 grandchildren, he replied, that's not my problem. He was listed in the phone book. And a murder victim. Yeah, people, you should kill, you fucking dickhead. Haynes was held without bail and ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. According to the New York Times, Haynes denied affiliation with any white supremacy organisations, but, and it's a very, very big but, a but with a swastika painted on each cheek. The Anti-Defamation League uncovered evidence of two contacts he made with these groups, including a romantic 1987 meeting he allegedly had in Southern California with David McAlden, the leader of a Holocaust denier group. Researchers at Clanwatch noted that none of the 100-plus white supremacist publications they monitored had ever recommended that people go out and kill plastic surgeons or hairdressers. Quite the opposite. In fact, in the late 1980s, former Klan leader and politician David Duke had a nose job and a chin job to make his features appear more Aryan. Maybe Haynes should have gone after him. Yeah, maybe he should have. According to AP News, the Hate Monitoring Anti-Defamation League of B. Nye B. Rith had Haynes on their radar for years. It released a letter that it said Haynes had mass mail from San Francisco in 1991 advertising his craft project book of neo-Nazi artwork. Put that on your coffee table. Oh, yeah. Oh, you'll be popular with the whole family when they come visit. The letter read, Just like our Fuhrer, I've got the soul of an artist. I'm a bookish kind of guy with wide-ranging interests. It was signed, Zig Heil, Jonathan Haynes. Nice. After a psychiatric examination, Haynes was found fit to stand trial in Chicago. Because arrogant murdery men have never met a soapbox they didn't like, Haynes waived his right to a lawyer, refused to let his family hire one for him, and insisted on defending himself at his murder trial. Of course. Woo! Of course he did. Well, if it's good enough for Ted Bundy. I mean, seriously, how many times has that happened in the 178 episodes we've done? Probably 170. It's happened very regularly. (laughs) According to the Orlando Sentinel, Haynes called no witnesses, presented no evidence, and boasted about how satisfied he felt to have committed the murders. His defence strategy consisted largely of proclaiming his white supremacist beliefs to a captive audience in court. Haynes stated, I condemn bleach blonde hair, tinted blue eyes and fake facial features brought on by plastic surgery. It's time we faced up to it and stopped feeding off Aryans like a horde of locusts in a field of wheat. So um, how did his I'm glad I killed the bastard defence strategy go, huh? 
Well, not too no. well. It, uh, not not no. great. Um, hey, not great no. at all, actually. Well, I mean, great for everyone else, though, right? Haynes was, of course, found guilty of the murder of Dr. Martin Sullivan. Yeah. Good. Good. Before sentencing, a victim impact statement was written by Sullivan's widow, Jean, was read out. In it, she wrote, Jonathan Haynes also shot me in the chest on August 6, 1993. Only my wound will never heal. His daughter, also named Jean, wrote in her statement that her father's murder had caused her to have a loss of direction in raising my children. How will I teach them that hard work and kindness will be rewarded? That's a good point, isn't it? It's very sad. Oh, God, yeah. According to the Chicago Tribune, salon owner and shooting victim Tom Truly was unable to hold back tears as he spoke of the loss of Frank Ringy, telling the court, we were companions in life as well as business partners. Now, Tom lost a kidney and part of his intestine after Haynes shot him in the stomach. He also said that the multi-million dollar business that he and Frank had built together failed after the shooting. It's the ripples of the tragedies. Before sentencing, Haynes banged on about his Nazi conspiracy theories, you know, just for a bit of a change. Earlier in court, a tape recording of Haynes' interrogation by police was played. In it, he was heard telling investigators, I feel I can die happy after making this statement. After this, people will remember these cosmetic operations and feel a little bit guilty. Your death penalty doesn't frighten me. I'm not repenting. It's not groovy at all, Dad. Assistant State's Attorney Bruce Painter, who was one of the prosecutors on the case, said that Haynes had been given the opportunity to show remorse, to show regret, to show compassion to his victims, but he has none. He has none. On May 5th, 1994, Haynes was sentenced to death for the murder of Dr Sullivan. However, his sentence was commuted to life in prison after Illinois abolished the death penalty in 2011. Hmm... Well, it's a pity, I guess. Yeah. What do you think um, Haynes would, would think about the like pale Aryan blue-eyed people who make their skin a lot darker with fake tan and stuff and, and like get lip enhancements and, um, and butt augmentation now to look more like someone of, of a non-Aryan race? Well, I don't believe he would care for it, Tara. No, I mean, I can't imagine he gets to see a lot of Instagram influencers uh, while in prison. Uh, but if he did, I do not think he would like it. I bet he bleaches his arsehole. Yeah, <laughs> so it looks more Aryan. Yeah, he's got he's got it down. He's got the perfect Hitler shade. I mean, we all know darkening your arsehole is in these days. Oh yeah, yeah, we all know that. Yeah, you get all it, of us. You get it darkened. Well, that was the story. So because next episode's True Crime Nerd Time will be my in-depth interview with former New York Assistant District Attorney Charlotte Bismuth about her new book, Bad Medicine, Barney is taking over the reins of Aussie as for this episode. Oh, I've been waiting for this for so long. So Barney, I have a question for you. Yes, Tara. <gasps> And you've got to do this without looking at any notes. You just have to remember it. It is episode 179. So, Barney, what is Aussie As? Aussie As are tales of criminal stupidity and bloody legends with a quintessentially Australian flavour. Would you like to hear one? I certainly would. It'll be interesting to be on the more, like, listening end. 2020 was a hell of a year, eh? Well, yes, I've certainly had better. I've never had an enema, but I've had better enemas. 
It was a big old pile of stinking poo, which meant Aussie Air stories were hard to find. Well, yeah, they really were. Uh, bigger news stories pinched the headlines and finding shenanigans unrelated to COVID was like nigh on impossible. We remember the good old days when Corona was an overpriced Mexican beer that you enjoyed with a slice of lemon and knucklehead criminals drunkenly robbing banks with trebuchets got more airtime. Lucky for us, someone has been keeping tabs on all the rambunctious behaviour, tomfoolery, hijinks and damn right stupid criminal behaviour going on in this land of drop bears and bunyips. You mean besides Aussie ass? Yes. According to Lad Bible, shit towns of Australia have been documenting all kinds of Aussie as activity going on in our sunburnt country, as well as raiding towns and publishing the barrage of hate mail they'd receive. <laughs> we should do that. Oh, alas, Tara, we here at Bloody Murder are well loved and do not receive anything but praise. Um, you really should check our email inbox, dude. We get a couple. But shit towns of Australia, why, my God... They award one lucky Australian town their annual coveted award, the worst shit town of the year. Woohoo! Something we can finally celebrate. Past winners have included Logan in Queensland. It won back-to-back brown crowns, as they call it, <laughs> winning, tw- winning 2018 and 2019. Logan is described on their website as a place where common hobbies include getting shit-faced and hitting someone with a bit of wood and committing ram raids in hot, wide holdens. Now, the shittest town of Australia for 2020 has just been announced. Drum roll, please. First place went to the tropical paradise that is Townsville, Queensland. That's where my mum's from. That's one of the reasons why. (laughs) Hey! Now, I'm sure you are asking yourself why this lovely tourist town received this dubious award. Well, there was a laundry list of reasons. We won't read them all out here, but our personal favourites include... A female patron at a casino flopped out her boob and sprayed a dealer with her titty milk. (laughs) Three random stolen cars just happened to collide outside a police station. Two men were arrested outside a KFC after running over a policeman's foot in a stolen bus. One man was arrested after hurling a goon sack at a copper while riding a stolen bicycle drunk. What's the colour of a two-cent piece, copper, <laughs> copper? One of you singing that. I wonder if there was anything in the goon sack. I mean, you wouldn't want to throw, like, a somewhat full goon sack because then you couldn't drink all the sweet, delicious goon inside it. A mass brawl erupted at a wake. There were multiple arrests. One knucklehead robbed a red rooster of 90 cents. A man was charged after accidentally depositing a bag of drugs into an ATM. He would have been so pissed off about that. Withdraw, withdraw! <laughs> a naked drunk dude covered in feces was tasered after running onto a highway. Well, I'm sure there's a story there. Yes. And finally, lady prisoners rioted after being reprimanded for flashing their titties at contractors. <laughs> okay, ladies, now just keep it down and stop flashing your boobs at the contractors. They're just trying to install those windows. I'm going to flash my boobs at whoever the fuck I want to flash my boobs at and you can't tell me otherwise. Riot! Titty riot! I like how they were just reprimanded for it. Just don't do it again. We understand you want to get your boobs out and we understand you didn't like getting told off about it. But just don't do the rioting, all right? Okay, fine. So well done to Townsville. Woohoo! Coming in second to Townsville was Melbourne. Hooray! We're winners, baby. I live in Melbourne. So do I. Woo. 
We got the second best silver for, amongst other things, a champion racehorse testing positive for cocaine and a person driving a car up the stairs at a train station. Ah, noble efforts, one and all. Noble effort, noble effort. Adelaide scored the shameful bronze with the pizza boy who caused the stake to go into an unnecessary lockdown, a hit-and-run driver allegedly throwing poo at police... (laughs) A 12-year-old managed to break into a bank, and my personal favourite, a busker dressed as a pencil was bashed with his own ukulele. Oh, come on. Come on. Don't do that, people. Especially not when someone's dressed as a pencil. I know. Come on, who would even do that? Now, most think this award is rather amusing. A bit of fun. A bit of a lark. This was not the case for independent member for From, Jeff Brock, defending his local Port Pirie in South Australia said he considered it bullying on social media, which harmed the people of Port Pirie. Kalgoorlie's mayor, John Bolo, was also not impressed after the Desert Mining City was nominated a few times. Oh, that just sounds like sour grapes for not winning. The creators of Shit Towns of Australia responded with, Mayor John Bolo need not worry, Kalgoorlie's reputation for prostitution and big holes in the ground isn't going to be ruined by a Facebook poll. Ah, well done, Barney. That was a corker of an Aussie ass. Thanks for letting me do that. That was fun. Yeah, they are pretty fun, you know, when you find them. <laughs> Good job. Well, I think I know what Aussie ass is now. Oh, my God. Do you think you'll stop asking me what they are? I, I don't think so. I'll probably forget. Yeah, you might forget again. <laughs> I've forgotten already. Ah. So this brings us to the end of the episode. But before we go, we'd like to thank some people who took the time to write us some good reviews. So thank you to Penguin Dust from the United States and, of course, XXL Historian from the United States also. (laughs) Thank you. We'd also like to thank the brilliant and beautiful Lorraine for all the work she does running the Facebook group with me. And for being a guiding light in the shitstorm that was 2020. Yeah. Thanks, Lorraine. She certainly was. Definitely. You know who else is awesome? Our patrons, we love them. We love them so much, we've been holding monthly giveaways. The winner of our December prize, the Two Barneys Coming Up My Stairs t-shirt, is Tamiko Siegman. Congratulations on winning a t-shirt with my recurring nightmare on it. Our January prize is a very special one, Tara. It's a Bloody Murder Tritone Duffel Bag. Oh, cool. Lug your stuff around in this bad boy. Chopper guards your shit in a mesh side pocket. It also features an inner zip pocket and a removable shoulder strap. Put it on, take it off, put it back on again. Radical! It's perfect for travel, the gym, school and your commute and great for large amounts of cash and also maybe a few weapons. Chuck a puppy or two in there, you'll be right, mate. Bob's your uncle. You can fit like three heads in it. (laughs) How do you know that? Well, you actually, you could probably get about six heads of lettuce in it, I think. Oh, heads of lettuce. Oh, what do you think I meant? You had me going for a second. Actually, not, not, not buying it. When the fuck would you ever buy a lettuce? To throw at you. Yeah. I don't see you eating no lettuce. Mm-hmm. I like lettuce. Lettuce is all right. Yeah. Bit of iceberg yeah, lettuce. lettuce. Yeah, you're, you're a salad dodger if ever I met I'm one. I'm not a salad. I ate salad. Really? What kind of salad? Potato. Salad's um. <laughs> <laughs> made of carbs. Yeah. For a chance to win, be a Bloody Murder patron at a level of $5 or above. Now, we've had a bunch of new bloody legends join our Patreon program, so thank you to Mike Schultz, Colin Kovash, William Jensen, Steve Perkins, and Bruce G. Carlson. The G is for great. Yeah, grand. Groovy. (laughs) He is groovy. We'd also like to thank Penny Souser for upping her pledge. 
And we want to give a special shout out to our friend Lauren Margot. Fight hard, fight strong and fight long. You're going to kick its ass and we're going to be here cheering you on every second. Go, Lauren. Yeah. Now, if you'd like to support us, visit our website or if you just want to buy us a drink, <clears throat> there's a PayPal donate button there too. I've been Barney Black. And I've been Tara Saraban. And this is Bloody Murder. Please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, our IMDb listing, or on our Facebook page. You don't need to write a well-crafted essay. Just five stars and a hair baby would still count. And, of course, rate and subscribe. It really helps us squirt our breast milk at creepy ears and throw goon sacks at flashing prisoners. You can follow us through our Facebook page or join our Facebook group. On Twitter, we're at Bloody Murder Pod and Instagram, we're Bloody underscore Murder underscore Podcast. Check out our website, BloodyMurderPodcast.com for news, galleries, more episodes and links to our threadless merchandise. Thanks for sticking around and we'll be back soon. Goodbye and adios. And keep kicking against the pricks. Hey. Woo. Hey, we're back. We're back. 2021. Huh? Hey. 2021, eh? Yeah, I know. Season five. Season five. Wow. Still alive. That's going to really shit some people. <laughs> well, I can't believe they're so popular after this much time. Because they're shit. I can't believe they've got lots of good reviews when I don't like them. I can't believe they're still around because I don't like them. I can't believe other people have opinions that are different than mine. How dare they? They should be ashamed of themselves. They're very disgusting for having opinions that aren't the same as my opinion. Because my opinion's the only opinion that's right. And uh, no one else's opinion is right my opinion. Dexter came up to me and he said, what's your sit rep? And I said, what? What's my sit rep? And he said, situation report. <laughs> and I went, oh yeah, I'm good. And he said, copy that, and then he just walked off. <laughs> I think he's been watching too, uh, playing too many military games. I wonder where he gets that from. Is that working again yet? What working? Our website. Oh, yeah, I fixed that. Mm. It took me a long time. Nice one. All right. Why did they hack us? Oh, just a bot that found us. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all fixed now. God, their tech support was no help at all. Yeah. I pretty much had to get in there and do it myself. I was checking our accounts to see if, you know, we were sending dick pics out into the world, like tweeting elephant dicks or something. And you'd know it wasn't us because if we were going to tweet something from an elephant, it would be elephant titties. <laughs> damn straight. Yeah, they're majestic. If you haven't Dave. checked them out, you're, you're missing out. Oh, yeah, check out the majesty. Mmm, fecund majesty. He was also a bit of a celebrity due to the beauty makeovers he gave on a local morning TV show called People Are Talking. Good morning, San Francisco, and welcome to People Are Talking with celebrity hairdresser Frank Ringy. Who's ready to watch some amazing makeovers today? Oh, well, I am, Pam. How about you? I'm very ready to watch some makeovers. Thanks, Richard. I see, I see, I see gold cans of coke here at Triple M Gangbusters! I see what it is. You can talk. It's just that your monkey brain, when you try and think about what it is you're saying, it can put you off the words by going, that's well, you not know, real. You know, your mouth doesn't do your speech. Your brain controls that. You know that, don't you? So, yeah, if I've, got, if I've got something wrong with my brain, that's why I can't talk. That's right. My brain's my telling mouth. my mouth to tell you to go fuck yourself at the moment. 
Oh, because I just mansplained to you again. <laughs> no, you know I love that. I live for mansplaining. Every time a man mansplains, a woman's boobs get bigger. Really? No. Oh, I'm going to have to do I'd it have more often. I'd have some really fucking gigantic norks right now if that were true. Just slap the mans- mansplainers in the face with them. Yeah, they'd like that. Oh, I mean, see? they wouldn't like that. That mightn't help. They'd hate. No, they ha- they'd hate that. <laughs> see that. <laughs> Explain to me how they'd hate that, Barney. Well, it could be kind of annoying, you know, when they're trying to deal cards and someone's squirting titty milk at you. That could be annoying too. <laughs> That's why I always wear goggles when I um, perform my role as a croupier. And giving breast implants to women whose breast cancer meant that they'd had to have theirs removed. Did you know that I moved one of your breasts? You had giving breast implants to women whose breast cancer meant that they had one of their breasts removed. Yeah, I wanted to say it three fucking times, man. How dare you ruin <laughs> my handiwork? I have the soul so, of an artist. I removed one of your breasts. Oh, God, I don't like it when you say that. Better not have been the good I, one. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, I didn't realise how weird that would sound until I said it out loud. Yeah, it's pretty it, weird, isn't it? I, it is. I take it all back. Yes, please give me back my breast. Not something I thought I would say to you. Not something I like saying. Let's just forget this ever happened. I don't know. I think we should talk about it more. <laughs> I, I can't recall a case where it was a woman who did it that we've covered, but a lot of murdering uh. men, they do it. They love it. They feel so fucking important about themselves when they do that shit. Ugh. Well, they're psychopaths. They, they want to, yeah. Oh, yeah. They get a chubby just thinking about it. Yeah. Narcissists. Oh, big time. They'd be mm. practising in a mirror for hours. Mm. Much like how I prepare for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the mirror isn't switched on. In fact, it's facing a wall and I'm looking at the back of it. <laughs> I don't know if farting in front of a mirror for two hours is considered rehearsal, though. But that is what you do. It is what I do, though. <laughs> you want to see if you can see them come out, don't you? Yeah, sometimes I put lots of baby powder on my buttocks <laughs> oh. just so I can see the puff. Oh, I call them Barney clouds. <laughs> they smell like grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I've actually cracked you up properly. <laughs> oh, that's good. Barney clouds. All right. Barney clouds, they smell like grandma. <laughs> that's the name of my fourth album. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it at this point. They had they had the intercom on in the room and they kept lying that it wasn't on and they were using sonic pressure on my head since 1997.